Father God, may it be, may it be that as we stand in your love that our fear would not stand a chance. May it be that we would stand in your love, focused on you, looking at you, living for you. May it be, Father. Father, as we come before you, as we continue to uh, stand, sit, be before you, I pray that we would hear your word, Holy Spirit, through God's word in Scripture this morning. Challenge us and encourage us. Direct us, God. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Wow, it is, it is such a blessing to, to be together, to worship together. I, I love being a part of this church family. I love proclaiming the truths through the songs that we sing. I, I want to, um, the scripture that we're going to look at this morning is 1 John 4, and we're going to focus in on verses 17 through 18, but first I want to remind you of the verses previous to that. So if you don't have your Bible in front of you, then, then grab that now, get your Bible in front of you, turn to 1 John 4. Verses, I'm going to remind you of verses 7 through 16, and then we're going to focus in on verses 17 through 18. So you'll remember from our um, series the last few weeks that 1 John 4, 7 starts like this. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us, that he, he sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his, his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Since God so loves us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but when we love one another, God's love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in God and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that, that God the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, then God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. If anyone lives in love, they live in God and God in them. This, this is where we get to verse 17. This, what I've just said in the previous 10 verses, this is how love is made complete in us so that we may have confidence into the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love. Father, we praise you for your word of instruction and direction and encouragement to us. 
This is a beautiful part of God's word that I pray that you have been meditating on this word as we've been focusing on this this past month. And I pray that God has been speaking to you through these words as you talk with him about them. You know, I just want to remind you, and it's pretty clear in this passage, that the focus of this passage is love. It's, it's agape love. Um, agape love is a way of seeing, a way of choosing, a way of living, a way of giving that often involves sacrifice. It's seeing people as God sees them. It's choosing to love them because of who God is, not because of who they are. It's, it's living out this love in action. It's giving, it's sacrifice. This is agape love, and this is the love that this passage is talking about. So in verse 17, we read, it says, this is how God's love is made complete among us. There are a couple of questions that, that I want to address in verse 17, or a few questions that are raised in my mind. And the first is this, this idea that love is made complete. What does it mean that love is made complete? So this, this love being made complete refers to love reaching its goal. Or, or love coming, reaching a full, its full expression. This is an ongoing thing, not a static thing. It's, um, it's not completed at some point, and then you're just done with it. It's, it's ongoing. So, for instance, if I, if I really did a fantastic job on October 15th of loving my wife well, if I look at October 15th and say that my, my love was made complete that day, it reached its goal in the way that I should be treating my wife. So I'm done. Move on to the next thing. No, that's, love is ongoing. It's reaching, ever reaching its goal, ever reaching its full expression. That's what it means that love is made complete. So then the question would be, well, what is the goal of love? Or, or what is the full expression of love? And, and this is where we look to those, those 10 verses, 7 through 16, that, that I read for you before we get to our verse 17. What, what is the goal or the full expression of love? It's what is described in those verses. It's the love of the triune God being um, extended, being poured out on broken humanity. It's broken humanity now responding to God, being restored by his love and responding to the triune God with love. And then it's restored community through God's love, loving one another. This is the beautiful mutual love that is pictured in this passage of from triune God to believer, from believer to fellow believers. That is the goal. That is the full expression of this love. So then the next question that comes up in verse 17, it talks about this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have full confidence on the day of judgment. So what and when is the day of judgment? 
The day of judgment, as taught in Scripture, is it's prophesied throughout Scripture. And it's when Christ will return and he will um, uh, judge the living and the dead. Jesus talks about this in parables throughout the Gospels. In, in Matthew 13, he tells the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And Jesus talks about how they will grow up together. And at the end, on Judgment Day, at the harvest, um, the wheat, or, I'm sorry, the weeds will be pulled out and thrown into the fire. And the wheat will shine in the sun. Jesus tells another parable in Matthew 25. He, he teaches about how the, the peop, when the Son of Man comes on Judgment Day, the people will be separated like a, sh a shepherd separates the goats and the sheep. Those who did not follow Jesus will be rejected um, for eternity from the presence of God. And those who did follow Jesus will be accepted into enjoying his presence for all of eternity. This is what will happen on the day of judgment, when Christ returns. Well, so then when will this day of judgment happen? And, and the truth is only God the Father knows when it will happen. Mark 13, 32, it says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So then the next question that I want to address in this verse 17 is this, when it says, this is how God's love is made complete among us. The, the question is, well, how is how? When you say this is how, what's the this? And and referred to that briefly earlier as we were talking about how love is made complete. What does it mean that love is made complete? It's that the triune God pours love onto broken humanity and restores broken humanity. So restored humanity then responds to the triune God with love and shares that love with other believers. That's that's what it is. That is how this love is made complete. So when we move on then in the last part of verse 17, it, in a way it resummarizes that same idea when John writes, um, in this world, we are like Jesus. Jesus enjoys a, this privileged place with God in the agape love community of the triune God. Jesus enjoys this place of privilege there. If we live in God and he in us, then, then that place of privilege in the agape love community of the Trinity is for us as well. So in this world, we are like Jesus, we are enjoying that same privilege of community of agape love. Therefore, we can share the confidence before God that Jesus enjoys. That's, that's a pretty significant thing, that we can share the same confidence in the presence of God that Jesus enjoys. If this wasn't clearly taught in Scripture, in this passage and throughout Scripture, then that would be an audacious claim. But that's what John is teaching us 
right in this letter. Even while in this world, we have a place in God's perfect love community like Jesus does. That's astounding. One who sets their life of faith in Jesus Christ is set free from God's rejection. They are wrapped into this perfect love community of the triune God and therefore can have complete confidence that on the day of judgment, they will be declared son or daughter of God, heir of his promise for eternity in his new creation. If we live in love, that is our confidence. Do you live with this confidence in your standing before the living God? I was blessed to have a conversation with Jim Hankins just days before he passed away several weeks ago. And as I talked to Jim, he had this kind of confidence. He knew the claims of Scripture. He had placed his faith in Christ. And he had confidence in his standing before God when he would meet God. We can have confidence in the outcome of the day of judgment if we have placed our life of faith in Jesus Christ, in his atoning sacrifice for us. Have you done that? If you haven't, I would encourage you to be pouring over the words of this passage this week in 1 John 4, 7, all the way through 21, that you would pour into these words, learn about, listen to God's words of his love in your life, of his acceptance, of the confidence that you can have in his presence. Verse 18 goes on. It says, there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. So again, perfect love, it's, it's love made complete. It's love that is reaching its goal or coming to full expression. It's ongoing. It's not static. It's agape love. This kind of love drives out fear. So now, here's perhaps the big question. Um, what does it mean by fear? What kind of fear are we talking about? Because the truth is, I, when we look at fear as it's used in the Bible, there's really about three different general pools of meaning for the word fear. And, and really, it's all the same Greek word is used for all these different pools of meaning. So the first one, you think of fear coming from the, the Proverbs 1-7 kind of fear. Proverbs 1-7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Okay, so, so fear is a good thing. So fear is the beginning of knowledge. This kind of fear is talking about reverence and respect for God. 
or, or an illustration, if this fear is about reverence and respect, we might think of a, a young engineer who gets to sit down with an incredibly successful, very experienced engineer, and that young engineer is going to be hanging on every word of that successful, experienced engineer. Or a young parent sitting down with an experienced and, and very faithful and, uh, parent. And they're going to be hanging on every word. Okay, that's, that's one kind of fear, this reverence and respect. And then there's this other kind of fear, the, the John 2019 kind of fear. In John 2019, we read about how the disciples were hiding in the upper room because they were afraid, they feared the, the Jewish leaders. This is a, a self-regarding fear of punishment or harm. This, this is a bad fear. This is, has a negative uh, connotation to it. This is kind of like the, the teenager who won't stick up for his friends because he fears what others will say about him or what others will do to him. And then there's this third kind of fear, the fear that is um, mentioned in Philippians 2.12, where we're told to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So this is kind of a nuanced mix between the, the reverence fear, um, also combined with this element of, of fear of consequences. This is kind of like the, the young surgeon who is entering into his, the first time he is leading a surgery, all right? He should have some fear. He should have some fear because, the, because of the weight of the circumstances that he's entering into. That doesn't mean he should run away and not do the surgery, but, but he needs to enter that with some fear and trembling. He shouldn't just skip through that carelessly, like it's all definitely all going to be okay. So we have these three different kinds of fears, and so we realize that fear is complex. You know, I, I think about this, um, this popular, this, this thing that is said a lot right now in our culture. I hear it or I see it on shirts or um, different memes. It says fear, no, I'm sorry. It says faith over fear. All right, that could be a good thing, right? But I really want to caution us against flippantly using such a phrase because it depends on what fear, what kind of fear we're talking about, right? In Scripture, some fear is connected to faith, and some fear is opposed to faith. And sometimes I might perceive someone having the bad kind of fear, self-regarding the fear of punishment, when, when actually that person is acting out of the reverence, respect kind of fear. I just really want to caution us against labeling one another too quickly in that way, not seeing the complexity of what it is to fear. So all this leads to the question, well, what kind of fear is this passage talking about in 1 John 4, 18? 
if we look in the context, that we see pretty clearly, I think, that this passage is talking about the second kind of fear, the, the self-regarding fear of punishment. In this case, very specifically, it's the fear of punishment of ultimate rejection from God. That fear does not exist in agape love. God says, when you are putting faith in my son, I will never reject you. You can have confidence on the day of judgment. I will never reject you. As you are looking to God in faith, there is 0% chance that, that you will receive the punishment of rejection that your sin deserves, that Jesus took care of, on the cross. As you are looking to God in faith, you are guaranteed to be accepted in love. There is no reason to fear. He accepts you. That kind of love, guaranteed acceptance, drives out fear. If you do fear, whether or not God will accept you, then you're not understanding his love for you. And you may say, well, Brentley, you don't understand what I've done. And, and I, I, I want to humbly respond, no, you don't understand what God has done. He's paid for what you've done. He accepts you. I want to close with two illustrations and challenges. The first is this, that God intends to give us this picture of perfect love, of complete love in marriage. A wife should enjoy no fear of ultimate rejection from her husband. Their marriage vows are designed to give confidence in their love, to support and display this no fear in love reality. The husband-wife relationship is meant to communicate to one another that, that when you are looking to me, I will never reject you. Do you know what kind of confidence that kind of love brings into a relationship. Husbands and wives show this kind of love to one another. This kind of love which drives out fear. Secondly, our love for one another, believers with our brothers and sisters in Christ, this is also meant to be an ever-present experience of agape love which drives out fear. I should not reject you, my brother or sister in Christ, any more than God rejects you. As God has included you in his love, so I should include you in my love. We should therefore have no fear of rejection from one another, even if we differ on what it is to be COVID careful, even if we differ on how American politics should play out. We should have 
no fear of rejection from one another within the kind of love that God calls us to. When we fear or feel the rejection of one another, we know that the mutual love that God is calling to us to, this God believer, fellow believer, when we fear or feel the, this, um, the rejection, then, then this love is not reaching its goal. It's not coming to its full expression. And we need to ask ourselves the question, what failure of mine is contributing to this mutual love not reaching its goal? Believers, we should love one another with this kind of love that drives out fear of rejection. I mean, here's the reality that I think we know. John's not concerned in this passage with uh, God's love for us failing. He's not concerned with that part of the mutual love. He's concerned with the our love for one another. That's the part that is at risk in being able to express and display the goal of God's love. We can't be perfect, but but there are two things in this passage that, that we're called to, to be working on. So first, having confidence in our standing before God because of his love. I want to encourage you. The, the way that you can move into confidence is, is by meditating on this scripture and scriptures like this. Fill your head and your heart with this reminder of God's love for you so that you can have confidence in the day of judgment. Secondly, be displaying a love to our brothers and sisters in Christ that casts out all fear of rejection. This is in stark contrast to, to cancel culture. I hope you see that. I hope that you see that cancel culture is the opposite of, of love that drives out fear. We as brothers and sisters in Christ need to display a love, an acceptance of one another that drives out fear of rejection. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Christ Perfect love drives out fear because in perfect love, it drives out fear because it has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let's lean into this perfect love, share and display this perfect love. Would you pray with me? Father, we look to you, giver of love. And we look to receive that, to give that back to you, and to share it with one another. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.